What would you do if you won lotto and didn't have to work again? Would you travel? Well, what if you could travel overseas pretty much for free without even buying a lotto ticket? Welcome to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Talking business ownership, the nuts and bolts and everything in between. It's an interesting question, isn't it? What would you do if you won lotto? And it's one that I've asked a lot of business people over the years. And you know what? Most people can't answer it because we're pretty shit at dreaming these days. Well, I don't think it's just these days. I think as adults, we stop dreaming. And uh, dreams are so powerful and motivating if we, I guess, do it well and uh, and take a few risks along the way. So, uh, yeah, today's guest, he's, he's going to talk to us about how you might be able to travel overseas for not very much money at all, sometimes none, um, and just swap some of your skills for board and lodgings. It's a pretty cool idea. Um, we also cover things like uh, suicide prevention. Um, Adam's had some close experiences with that, and he's got his own particular views on uh, how to deal with that. Uh, we also talk about, you know, gut instinct and should you follow it? And, uh, you know, I guess what happens when you step back and have a look at what's important. So hope you enjoy today's episode. Listen to the end. It is a bit longer, but, um, listen to the end and, uh, we'll give you some details on, uh, a competition that Adam is running, uh, that might actually get you overseas for Nick's, uh, and failing that, just go check him out. Um, fascinating business and could be a good way for you to score a cheap holiday. Anyway, enjoy today's episode. Joining me today on the Tradies Business Show is a man by the name of Adam Velastro. I think he has a name for his mustache as well. Adam <laughs> is the head honcho at Travelling Tradies, and he's going to tell us what the hell he's here to talk about today. Adam, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Warwick. How you doing, fella? Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Now, I'm looking at a very beautiful picture of you on Skype. Thank you. A, uh, a very sexy blue shirt with some white spots <laughs> and a mustache that honestly deserves its own name, mate. Thank you. I like to call him Gonzalez. <laughs> Gonzalez. It's pretty accurate uh, alter ego for you, man. Thank you very much. I... Uh, it evolved from from my travels, and I, it's been with me ever since. Is that uh, now? I don't I don't know that much about you, Adam, and that tends to be mm. the case with me on the show. It's like, hey, someone sounds interesting. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> uh, but mate, I'm going to say you look like a bit of a lady killer. Oh, back in the day, I'm I'm tied down at the moment, but uh, uh, he's off the back market. Back in the day, I did have a lot of fun. I used to enjoy the world <laughs> and all it had to offer. So oh, I bet, mate. I bet. So. Uh, Adam, tell us a bit about yourself, mate. Uh, give us the brief bio. You know, it started when you were born and, and then things were all downhill <laughs> from there. But uh, what's what's your background, mate? Yeah, no worries. So basically, uh, I grew up in Melbourne, Australia, and I went to high school down on Phillip Island, so a little beach kind of place. Oh, wow. uh, did the traditional, you know, I'm from a, a European family, so I went to a uh, all-boys private Catholic school, then I went to a co-ed Christian school, <laughs> and then yeah. uh, I was supposed to be an engineer or a doctor or something like that, but I 
always was labeled the the class clown at school. Uh, I could never really sit tight. I always questioned why. And basically, I finished school and I ended up joining the Navy. I joined the Navy for just a gap year and I was intending to do uh, study engineering through them. But uh, we didn't really suit each other, so to speak. So I ended up <laughs> <laughs> ended up leaving the navy, and I actually went work uh, went work went to work and lived with my cousin Anthony, who had a plumbing business. And I ended up in the the construction industry for for nearly ten years thereafter. I worked in the mines all over Australia, uh, residential, commercial. I did shutdowns. I worked for chippy companies, sparky companies. I laboured for concreters. I did everything, so it was it was fun. Um, but then I disappeared overseas for about three and a half years, and I travelled to eleven countries. And I ended up using my skills and exchanging them around the world. And I ended up spending about twelve thousand dollars in that three years. So then I developed a, a company called Travelling Tradies, where we work with Australian tradies, twenty five to thirty five typically, to have a cultural and meaningful epic adventure around the globe and they pay their travel bills through exchanging their skills for food and accommodation. So basically I, I developed the business around what I had done myself and uh, yeah, here we are today. Nice mate. Now uh, I'm sitting here already thinking, all right, I don't have a trade, but I'm pretty sure I could b- bang some nails into something and get some free travel. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, retro. Go on. Yeah, mate. Uh, I was just going to say, I love the fact that you've pursued something that you are passionate about. And it's it's one thing I see with a lot of business owners is they they end up in a business sort of out of logic. Um, mm. But I, I've also been told by some mentors, and I guess I've seen a lot of people follow their passion, turn it into a business, and then kind of lose both. Yeah. Are you, like, you're still in the early days, but... How are you finding it, mate? Like, have you started to think, oh, this has become a bit of a grind, or is it just you're so passionate about this that that's just overriding all of the drudgery? I'm glad you said that because originally I had, a, before I started traveling tradies, when I got back from overseas, I had an e commerce business. The e commerce business was basically creating physical products in an online high demand area, and I would sell on platforms such as Amazon. Uh, it was good. It was starting to make some really good money, but I absolutely hated it. <laughs> it went against my core fiber, my moral belief, and it was like you just described. I would wake up every day going, I've just created another job. Yeah. I swore to myself when I got back from overseas that I would never do something that I hated or tolerated even. I would have to do it from the heart. That's why when I grew up, I was always going from company to job to company because I didn't have the drive. I didn't have the passion. And with traveling tradies, I love it. Like I wake up every day and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this because it involves two of my favorite things. I love being a tradie and I love using my hands, but I don't like doing it for some schmuck that just cares about me as another number in a book. I like mm. doing it so I can look back and I've built a shelter over somebody's head and they're like, thank you so much. And I love to travel because it's my favorite thing in the world to do. So honestly, I love traveling tradies because if I can help other tradies to do the same, my job's done. Mm. Mate, I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about what I do. And I've been working as a business coach and business wingman for Mm. 10 years now. And sometimes, like I'll be totally honest, 
I feel a little bit unappreciated. Yeah, uh, of course. It's a lonely road. I, I get that people pay me good money for me to work with them and I, I bust my backside to deliver value. Mm. But, you know, you just feel sometimes that your clients or your customers just kind of take you for granted despite that commercial nature of the relationship. Yeah, of course. But that's a part of any business where sometimes people don't see behind the curtain, so to speak. They don't see you grinding. They don't see that and they just think, they basically just pay you for a solution, which at the end of the day is 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 fine. But a lot of the clients that I like to work with, there's a deep seated kind of level that we connect on. It's like I understand you and you understand what I'm trying to do for you. Mm. Whereas I, I've turned clients away that we just don't connect. It's not about the money for me. It, the money will come as a result of providing value, providing a good service. And honestly, that's what I aim to do. So, mate, tell us more about traveling tradies. I mean, uh, if if uh, someone's out there thinking, man, that sounds awesome, uh, mm. and they're thinking about uh, becoming a customer or uh, a beneficiary, I suppose, of what you do, yeah. um, what would you tell them? So basically, our Traveling Traders is, is a connection platform, right? So when I was traveling around the world, I would go personally to hotel and hostel owners around the world, and I'd walk up to them and say, hey, your hotel looks a bit shabby. Let me paint the front. Let me fix some leaking taps and give me a month's accommodation. And they'd say, yeah, nine times out of 10, they go, why not? Hmm. And then from that, they would say, hey, Adam, we're having dinner together. Come and have some dinner, free food, you know. Hey, Adam, come in to my cousin's house. We're having some drinks. And you go and have drinks with them. Hey, Adam, we're going to go check out this amazing volcano that only the locals know about. I'd say, sure, why not? And what I've decided to do and what we've done is we've created a connection platform with a database of tradies and a database of hotel and hostel owners from around the world. So basically, it's a simple platform where tradies and hosts will both register a profile, right? They create, they go into the website, they create their profile, who they are, what they're about, etc. Tradies will search for places around the world. So go, I want to go to Brazil. They type in Brazil and a list of hotel and hostel owners looking for tradies will appear. Right? And same for the host. If they're looking for a tradie, they do. Then they can connect and negotiate through our platform in exchange for certain jobs that need to be done for what they want in return. So, for example, uh, you know, I'm sending a tiler to Brazil soon and she's going to do a mosaic. She's one of the only female tilers in Australia. She's going to do a mosaic on a wall over the course of about a month for uh, food, accommodation, tours, etc. in uh, a place called Ubatuba in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, so she's going over there to, to have a little getaway right on the beach, surrounded by paradise, using her skills to basically have an affordable, epic cultural experience. So through the platform, I want to give traders the opportunity to be able to travel from one country to the next, to the next, to the next, by literally just going onto our platform and going, where do I want to go? Mate, that's unreal. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's that. I got a, I got a couple of questions, Adam. I got a couple of questions. Of course. One is, uh, and I'm pretty sure my listeners will be thinking this one as well. Is yeah. So, what do you get out of all this? Yeah, exactly right. So, what we're we're planning on doing is 
obviously because we're building the database of hosts and the tradies. Uh, it's completely free at the moment for both ends. When we get to a certain point, uh, we will provide a subscription service, so it'll be a paid. But basically what we're building is to build the assets so that we can have these databases and use them for either advertising and marketing, partnering with larger companies, things like that to provide a more unique and overall service for our trades and for our hosts. So you kind of like an Airbnb or Uber type um, enterprise where you don't own any of the capital, you're just mm. a facilitator and a connector. Yeah, we're sim- Yeah, we're a connector. We're a negotiating platform. So basically, we're a similar kind of model with a different kind of spin where we do offer – uh, services on the back end for our tradies. So, for example, if a tradie connects with a host in Argentina and then they've never been overseas before, we also provide on the back end for tradies a do-it-all-for-you and a helping experience. So we have a methodology called Frames where basically we take every tradie that needs our assistance. So instead of going to a travel agency and then paying them a fortune to do it all for you, we will guide a tradie through a whole process of sorting out your visas, your vaccinations, how to pack your bags, sort your money, uh, we're connected to job agencies, so when you get home, we can help you find a job. That kind of thing, we take them through a whole process so that tradies feel supported before, during, and after their trip, and that we provide a service because we actually give a shit, not like a travel agency that just hmm. wants your money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mate, I like it, I like it. And uh, the other question that's that's been stuck in my head since you started talking about this, mate, is mm. you know how you're saying you just kind of... I guess stumbled across the possibility of this being a, a bigger concept or a bigger business just through mm. your own travels and, you know, people offering you pizzas and, and you know, fair accommodation <laughs> and that sort of stuff. Yeah. You, you said you were off the market earlier. You, you tied down now. You, mm. Did you meet your partner through this? I did. When I was traveling around the world, I actually met my, my partners from England and we met in Ecuador, kite surfing in Ecuador. And I was actually exchanging my skills at a kite surfing hostel and we built like a boat shed there. So I met her there and uh, that was three years ago. Nice, mate. Nice work. Yeah. So it's funny how, how the universe works in those <laughs> ways. You exchange the skills <laughs> for the ultimate prize, mate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> now, uh, starting a business can be challenging, mate. Yeah. Mm. Uh, What's what's been some of the the big learnings for you in kicking this off, and maybe even as you go now as well, because you've got a long way to go, I, I guess. Yeah, of course, we're continually building, and because we're on an international level, there's always obstacles that pop up that you never foresee, so to speak. One of the biggest things that I have kind of learned is you can't do it alone, right? And don't be too proud to find or ask for help. You know, a lot of new business owners, you want to do everything yourself because you think no one can do it better. And I was lucky in the fact that I learned quickly that there is indeed other people in the world that can do most of what I'm trying to do a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) So if I don't know something, I always learn the basics and then I'll always outsource to somebody with more experience and just we keep each other accountable along the way, Mm. right? Always keep learning, use facts over assumption to steer your business And just, yeah, progression, progression, prolific beats perfect. Throw things on the wall, see what sticks, test it and tweak in the market, and then keep moving. So I'm guessing you didn't learn all of this uh, plumbing, mate. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
what's what's been some sources of your entrepreneurial development mate because you know as as tradies uh we work under a master tradesman or we go and and do an apprenticeship through you know an organization like a tafe or vocational training where Mm. what's been some of your sources of of business uh education mate yeah so uh, an array of things i've done uh, a few business accelerators uh, I did a program called The Key Person of Influence through a company called Dent Global. Uh, and that was an amazing accelerator that really ripped all my kind of foundations down. And then we started to build it back up. Um, another accelerator through La Trobe Uni and the Australian government, I just got uh, accepted into uh, one team, six teams out of 46 were chosen, which was amazing. We had to pitch to a, to a board of, uh, of investors and the school, the university, sorry. And it was basically like a mini shark tank where they gave you a, an investment for zero equity share, but with the guidance that you go through their accelerator program. And it's amazing. It's been really cool so far. Not only that, I did a lot of reading. The thing about being in the trades industry is I didn't pick up a book or look at a computer or do any research for about eight or nine years. I did nothing. And it was because you're so exhausted from the job, you just can't be bothered. You get home, you just want to sit on the couch. I used to read like every day when I was younger. So then when I started reading again and and my mind just wanted to be educated. It just kind of was like a snowball effect. It just kept going and going. I listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, business and non-business related. I listen, um, I read a lot of books. And I'm very careful about what I consume, uh, as in knowledge-wise. I try not to – I don't listen to the news. I don't listen to any of commercial radio or, or media, I kind of just pick and choose what I want to because I know what you read, what you eat, what you see, what you do, and who you hang out with is what you become. So, yeah. Mm, I like it, mate. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad I recorded all that because I'm going to play that on loop for my clients uh, <laughs> <laughs> as a Good shining example of how to improve their business. Exactly. Because it's uh, it's so true what you say, mate, that whole, you know, what you read, what you eat, it's it's that whole thing of what we consume is what mm. creates us. And yet so many of us are just mindlessly consuming social media, you know, news media, Hollywood media, mm. uh, and, and not realizing, I think the impact that's having on our daily behaviors. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's one of those things though, that if you're not consciously aware of it, or and to be honest, if you don't really have the, the drive or the know, or you don't have any other, kind of direction like traveling tradies is my direction it's where i kind of follow and everything kind of evolves around that but if you don't have that and like if i was still where i was in perth working 80 hours a week and i was exhausted i wake up every morning you just kind of want to switch off you want to just find the easiest path you want to watch tv shows and sit on your ass and do that that's that's there's no harm in that if that's what you want to do but if you've really got a purpose and a drive and a direction you need to be able to to block out all the crap and choose what you need to, to follow. Mm. So something that fascinates me about people, Adam, is that well, most of us are on social media these days in some capacity, whether that's a mm. crafted business profile or you know, you've got sort of the oversharers and, and, and the super happy clappy people that everything's fabulous. But one thing that strikes me is we all seem to have this online persona and if i looked at 
someone's uh, online presence. I'd get a bit of a, a picture of who they are and the sort of life they lead. But mm. I find it's very different when you, uh, you know, turn off the phone and have a look at what's really going on. That's not to say that their life isn't great behind the scenes, but I think there's more there's more depth to people than we actually see these days. And, yeah, hundred percent. And I'm I'm curious, mate. Like. It sounds like you've had this fantastic journey. You've you've you know been a tradie. You've started traveling. You've tripped over this amazing business. You've done all these wonderful programs. You're a happy, upbeat guy. It's like I'm pretty sure I know what I'd see on Facebook. You'd just be living this rock star life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with I'm that mo. Those, yeah, that's it, right? <laughs> but I'm one of those people that one of the thing biggest things for me though when I traveled was I was very I, I detached myself from social media from people. I really needed to get inside my head and really just wanted to understand myself a lot better. And that's a thing I feel that, especially in the trades industry, everybody cares too much about what other people are doing rather than focusing on themselves. Mm. And it's like, if you can't focus on yourself and really clear all the bullshit out of your head and figure out time for yourself, right? Which basically what I do for tradies is give them an opportunity to have some time for themselves because something beautiful happens when that occurs and that's you gain perspective. You see outside of the little bubble that you think is life and you realize that there's a big pond out there and there's other cultures and other societies and other ways of thinking and it makes you see things from a totally different perspective and outlook. Um, and and that, would, that was huge for me for traveling was that was one of the biggest kickers. And I was like, I need to be able to help other traders do the same mm-hmm. because when you're in that industry of that monotonous every day, same shit, day in, day out, you lose that sense of perspective. You lose that sense of free will and kind of idea and you just succumb to the bullshit of society. Yeah. So – were there any moments in your life that that were sort of the antithesis of that? They they you know we all seem to have those times in our lives, and they're all relative to the individual. Where you sort of question a whole bunch of things, and and perhaps <laughs> take that opportunity to head down a different path than you might have travelled. Yeah, hundred percent. The calling card for me was I was working in Perth, and I was working on a job site. Uh, and I was working about 80-hour weeks. We were exhausted. We were doing night shift. Everybody there, it was coming up towards the end of the job, so everybody was miserable. Um, We were all getting pushed, and there was two guys on our job site that committed suicide within a week, and for me, that was the nail in the coffin. I went home at the end of the one week, and I literally booked a ticket overseas. I went, nah. I'd been waking up for six months prior. I was super depressed. I was earning, you know, two, two and a half grand a week and I was super depressed. I hated what I was doing. I'd lost appreciation for my trade. I woke up every morning questioning like this can't be it. Like there's surely there's got to be more because if I'm going to do this for the next 50 years, I'm probably going to top myself as well. And for me, that was, that was, like I said, that was the calling card and I went, nah, I'm out. And I spoke to my boss on the Friday night and it was, it was kind of, eerie the way it had happened. We're having beers after work and he started telling a travel story and I had booked a ticket the night before and I went in over to him and I said, I'm glad you started speaking about travel because I'm going in a couple of weeks. <laughs> nice, mate. Nice. And he said, and you know what? I was super surprised, but he was super supporting and a lot of tradies are worried about what their bosses might think and stuff like that. But it's like, just have a chat. Just have a chat and go, look, this is where I'm at. If you're feeling shit out and you need a break, 
go and speak to your boss. Go, look, I'd love to come back. I'm not putting in all my energy and effort, but I'm tired. I'm worn out. I just need a break. And nine times out of ten, they'll they'll understand. And if they don't, then they're an asshole. Yeah. And and don't let that stop you from Agreed. pursuing your own ideas or your own uh, passions or just your own knowing. Agreed. The, the, the reason why is because you only got this one opportunity to kind of live. You know what I mean? This, this isn't a dress rehearsal of life. This is the live show. Mm. So it's like do your thing, follow your passion, and give it a crack. Don't look back when you're 80 years old having regrets going, I wish, I wish, I wish. Because honestly, Warwick, if I died tomorrow, touch wood, I'm good. I've had a wicked story. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, I'm, I'm, uh, we were talking before I hit record about some podcasts that we listen to. And yeah. I mentioned one that uh, I'm a big fan of and I've been following his work for a little while now is Jocko Willink. Uh, he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership, and I'm loving his podcast at the moment. Uh, but but I I sort of have some rules that I live by personally, and they're yeah. they're gaining strength, and they've changed a bit in the last couple of years as I've been through some uh, some stuff as well. Do, do you have any personal rules to live by, Adam? Yeah, for sure. Like I said before, I never do something I hate or tolerate. Um, so if I'm in an environment where I don't want to be, I'll leave. I my time is precious as is everybody else's. So if I'm in a situation where I don't want to be, I'll go. If I'm in an environment I don't want to be, I'll go. Um, I also am very cautious about where I spend my time. I love spending time with my family, but I also like working on my business and it has to be justified and it has to be towards a common purpose. Um, I've got a few things like uh, prolific beats, perfect, throwing things to the wall um, and if my old man used to say to me a lot, uh, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I never really, he said that to me since I was five years old and I never really got it until probably six months ago. And I went, oh, maybe he had something there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, uh, the old man's got some good advice for us, eh, mate? Yeah, that's it. What about yourself, Warwick? Rules to live by? Yeah. Uh, do it now. Is, yeah. is a big one that has probably evolved uh, in more recent months or years. Uh, yeah. Listeners to the show will know I've uh, experienced some really good life lessons in the last couple of years. Yeah. And it was funny actually talking about social media. Facebook uh, reminded me that uh, two years ago today, I actually took delivery of my, my motorbike, my road bike. Yeah, uh, and I'd been thinking about it and pondering it and wishing on it and and trying to justify it for years before that, and for various reasons I never actually made it happen. And uh, you know, I went through the breakdown of my marriage and uh, and all that sort of stuff. And mm. uh, I just I thought, you know what, I've been this has been bugging me for years, and you know, life's just changed. I've I've pretty much just lost what I thought my life was going to be. Mm. Fuck it. I'm just going to go buy this fucking bike. Mm. And, and it was the best thing you ever did or what? Oh, absolutely, mate. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I went and did the the uh, accountant financial planner thing then and I justified the purchase and I did a spreadsheet <laughs> and I uh, got a great finance deal and I packaged it up through the business. But, um, mate, it's been bloody awesome. That thing's taken me so many cool places and, um, you know, I'm, I'm engaged again and getting married next year and... Uh, you know, Congrats! My, yeah, thanks, mate. My fiance loves jumping on the back, and 
we go and stay at country pubs and I've ridden in the pissing rain and it's been <laughs> awesome, mate. And it's not the bike yeah. itself that that was the thing. It was just the experiences that it yeah. it sort of precipitated. And that's the same thing with, with traveling. Everyone's like, oh, do you like this place? Do you like this place? For me, uh, a place doesn't make a place. It's the people and the experiences in the place that make a place. And that's like with anything in life. If you go in there and you've got the right attitude and you're doing something with a bit of passion and a bit of drive. And like you said, you do it now. I'm the same thing. Like life's too short. Just don't pretend and, and life's like a dress rehearsal. It's a live show. Just just fucking live it. Enjoy it, what you do. And the jo- the choices that you make, you got to follow through. You know what I mean? Never regret the choices that you make. You've made that decision. Move toward it and then pivot or change. Absolutely. And it, it doesn't mean that, uh, and I'll speak for myself that I'm just off recklessly spending money and buying stuff course, yeah. and you know gambling or anything else. In actual fact, I'm, I'm I've probably got more of a, a I don't know balanced decision making head on my shoulders now than I did before. But mm. it, but it is those experience things. The the other rule for me, mate. Seeing as you asked the question, you've opened a can of worms here, Adam. Uh, <laughs> no problem. The host is not supposed to do most of the talking. I can tell you. <laughs> it's all right. It's uh, all right. <laughs> but uh, my other big one that I've I've not been very good at over the years, and I've certainly improved a heck of a lot, is listening to my. Well, I'll call it intuition. I don't I don't necessarily believe that that's what it is, but mm. it's it's you know it's the old trust the gut. Or listen to intuition. And I've been a bit torn with this one over the years. I'd be curious to get your take on this, mate, because you're a, a little younger than me. But, yeah, uh... no, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm very much into that. I always make uh, calculated decisions, intuition as well as head, but I never go one or the other. But my intuition hasn't failed me in the last two or three years. With it's been a calculated assessment of everything I do, mm. but if my intuition has a strong pull, I'll always go there. Even if it doesn't turn out a, a certain scenario or event, etc., as how I think it would, nine times out of ten, a window or a door of opportunity will open that leads to something else that will solidify trusting that intuition. Mm. Yep, and that's it's it's interesting mate i did a uh, a business program in the us a bunch of years ago and i still have a ton of respect for this guy he teaches some amazing stuff he's hugely successful himself in business and investing and mm-hmm. uh he's he's a wise old businessman over in uh, not Texas. warren buffett is it no 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 <laughs> no a guy by the name of keith cunningham actually keith um, Cunningham, yeah, no, no. um but but keith talked about gut and and I'm it's been bandied around a bit I suspect but that whole idea of gut thinking and uh, and yeah. gut, gut decisions um, he claims that was an acronym gut standing for gave up thinking <laughs> and at the time I thought yeah you know what that's right and I just kind of mindlessly accepted the teachings of a mentor mm. and I went okay well I'll don't don't go on gut feeling because it's just a gut feeling and it's not thinking about it you know it's not intellectual and I'm a bit of an intellectual guy. Mm. But you know what? I've caught myself so many times ignoring that intuition, and it could be something as simple as taking the umbrella today, or something as big as not signing on a you know twenty thousand dollar a year consulting client. Yeah, just based on that, what I believe to be accumulated wisdom that we get from you know our emotional experiences and our business experiences and whatever our field of, of study or work is. And uh, mm. I'm like you, mate. Mine hasn't proved to be wrong 
in the, the last couple of years that I've uh, I've been listening to it more. Yeah, 100%. I am a massive strong, especially when traveling, going back to the travel aspect of where it is, uh, a lot of people, especially in, I spent a lot of time in South America, I spent a lot of time in some parts of Europe, and a lot of people were like, you know, oh, weren't you scared or weren't you worried? And I'll, the answer is no, because I would always trust myself. And the reason for that is when you're traveling and sometimes you are alone, you have yourself to rely on. And if you don't trust your gut and you don't trust the feeling and the intuition, my emotional intelligence is very high. And I can mm. usually read a situation quite quickly. And if I ignore that nine times out of 10, I'll get in strife. Yep. And I reckon most people have a good level of that that have experienced any sort of life, but they just mm. choose to ignore it. Agreed. They definitely do. And that makes me sad because if they have of or do follow that, the windows and doors of opportunity will open. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Now, just talking about emotional intelligence, is that something you've cultivated consciously or have you just kind of, you know, how's that come about for you, Adam? Yeah, interesting question. My... My family as a whole is quite emotionally intelligent. There's quite my, – my dad's side especially is very – has that intuition and that emotional intelligence. There's only certain members of our family that have learnt to kind of deep dive into it. And I have since – being one of the younger members of the family from cousins and siblings, I've adapted and learnt a lot from them being able to trust and use my emotional intelligence in certain situations. I can usually read a situation very quickly and understand kind of where it's going. And But that's definitely evolved. Like you were saying, especially when traveling, using that kind of in conjunction with each other of emotional intelligence and intuition, it has built up and I've understood it a lot more, especially in the last two years. It's It's something that you really need to kind of let go and follow and just kind of like with business, tweak and test and understand and use that data input into the brain and then use it how you will moving forward. Yeah, nice, mate. So, uh, mate, you started a business. Mm. Is there or are there, it might be plural, <laughs> are there <laughs> some things that you wished you'd known before you kicked off? Yeah, just touching back from what we did before is just not like a sense of pride and trying to do everything myself. That that was when I first started and like a lot of new business owners do, you want to do everything yourself, right? You think you're the only person that can do it. Um, you think, you know, sometimes you're too proud to even ask for help. And I learned quickly that, like I said, a lot of people can do the job a lot better um, and to always ask, to always learn um, and to understand the market, that was a big thing for me as well, was to properly understand what you're trying to do and validate it in your market before building a huge business or building a platform or spending thousands of dollars. Create a minimum viable product, test it with your market, see if it's got legs, and then move forward. When you're a new business owner, you have sometimes you get overwhelmed, there's an influx of information, there's things going on everywhere, and you're like, oh, I've got to follow this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Prioritize your tasks, choose the most important, follow that, and, and outsource and get assistance. Yeah, that, that last one of getting assistance, how do you reckon tradies go at that? Yeah, hard. There's especially being... 
here in Australia, there's a huge kind of macho culture as well, and nobody wants to ask for help or or, or talk about certain things because it, they think it shows weakness. Um, the fact is, the, as the old proverb goes, many hands make light work. Um, a lot of tradies don't want to do that because, you know, I'm a bloke, I can handle it, I can do it all myself. But nine times out of ten, they're just going to break their back or do a half-assed job um, in double the amount of time than if they had asked for assistance. Mm. So I'm going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole here with you, mate. Let's go. <laughs> what What do you reckon? Uh, I was going to ask you what do you reckon is wrong with trades or tradies in this country, but I'm going to change the way I frame that question. What do you reckon we could do to improve uh, trades and uh, and the tradies that work within them in this country, mate? Yeah, interesting question as well. There's Look, from my experience, from my history, being in the industry for a decade, there's a huge, as you know, the, the, the macho culture in Australia, and I like to call it like the pyramid of blokiness, right? The bottom of the pyramid, you've got the general Australian population. The second tier, we have the construction industry, and the top of the pyramid, we have the tradies, you know? And there's a stigma around tradies about what type of people we are, who we hang out with, what we do, not being the sharpest tools in the shed, so to speak, you know, mm. where we, you know, blokey blokes who go out, drink piss, don't give a shit about anybody else, slog out 80 hours a week and that's it, you know. It's almost embedded into the culture of the industry that you need to be a certain type of person. Um, and, and, and things like showing emotion, being vulnerable, talking about problems with your missus or your mates is a sign of weakness. And it's hard for tradies to talk to one another about their personal lives or things that are burdening them. Yep. And and even with me and my friends and things like that, it's there's a barrier of resistance. You're like, come on, man, like what's going on? Like I can tell something's up. What's up? Oh, no, 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 I'm okay. And honestly, I think this is why there's a huge mental health problem with depression and suicide in the trades industry. And that needs to change. I think that definitely needs to be dealt with, but there's wonderful companies like Mates in Construction, you know, they're an amazing organization dedicated to improve mental health and well-being of construction workers and ultimately reduce suicide here in Australia amongst tradies. These type of organizations, they helped me personally. When I was at the bottom of the barrel in the trades industry, these were companies that really, really gave me assistance. Um, but still these things, they need to be addressed. Um, and, and guys, especially in trades, it's, it's okay to talk about it. It's all good. And I found a lot of the times that if I'm vulnerable with other people, they'll be vulnerable with me. But people put on a brave face and think they're, you know, a big tough guy when at the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all wired the same. We're all got emotion. We've all got problems. We've all got that. Just have a chat about it. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think for the people who find themselves on the listening side of one of those conversations – uh, it can be, I think, as confronting for a mate, and uh, and I I've done a fair bit of work with mates in construction, um, and managed to get my ugly mug on uh, the national TV campaign that uh, that aired a little while ago. Uh, but I think a lot of people find themselves on the receiving end of of someone who does start to open up a little and say, yeah, you know what, I'm not okay. Uh, mm. this is what's happened, blah, blah, blah. And the listener sometimes is left feeling like, oh, shit. I, yeah. know, I know I asked if you're okay, but I don't know what to do now. Agreed. And this is where we need the education around it needs to be on both sides. I'm glad that you said that because there's certain things that have happened in my life with friends, like a family member passing, etc. 
and you speak to one of the boys, you like an awkward pat on the back, like they don't really know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it should be right, mate. You, you'll be right. Yeah, you'll be right. Yeah, yeah. yeah go and have a beer and you'll be good. And yeah, you're like, you're right. hang on a minute. There needs to be that education about it that it's like, all right, so what do you do? And to be the signs. Like I'm from – I also spent a chunk of time in the, the northern suburbs of, uh, of Melbourne in an area called Eltham and Diamond Creek. And there was oh. recently a couple of guys that friends of my friends that – had their own contracting businesses and it all got too much. So one jumped in front of a train and one hung himself. And there's all this, it, it, it's everybody in the industry has had a connection to some sort of kind of struggle or disaster that's occurred between someone they know. And it's like, everyone feels like, well, how could we have helped? If we can educate a little bit more in regards to that, it's just because it's such a deep and dark kind of topic, people would rather tune out than try and figure out how to understand it. Um, mm. So there needs to be maybe, a, I don't know, a different way or a different avenue to do it. And honestly, that's part of the reason why I do what I do is to try and help tradies change the way they see themselves, you know, in their jobs, their lives, themselves, go go travel and get a bit of perspective and, and understand how travel can change their life by giving them perspective on things that, you know, inside their little bubble, you can't really see. When you've been at the bottom of the bottom, you, you understand how people feel because, you don't think there's an out. You think this is it. You don't think that it can get better. And it's really, really hard to get out of that when you're stuck in the repetitive day-to-day, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Now, I'm I'm just going to pick up on something here. And uh, Mm. again, you and I were chatting before recording the show about some of my ideas for where I uh, go in future, you know, talking about following passions and those sorts of things. But um, one of those things is, is uh, and one of my rules uh, from our little conversation earlier is about speaking um, plainly and transparently. And, mm. you know, you've mentioned a few times about suicide in the workplace and, and mental health issues. And, and, you know, as blokes tend to do, you've just talked about it, frankly, as to even how a couple of those guys did take their lives. Now, that's very much frowned upon, um, I would say, in the academic circles around uh, suicide and suicide prevention. And I've done a couple of programs where, you know, there's, there's very specific education given around how to talk about this stuff. Yeah. How, how do you think uh, we, we should be guided in this? Like, how important is it that we, you know, think about our language or is it more important that we just talk about it? I'm a very straight to the jugular kind of guy, and I know that for a lot of people that can be confronting, but I call a spade a spade, and you can sugarcoat a turd, but it's still a turd. The, the, the reason is because a lot of tradies as well, especially in the construction industry, you understand how it is. If you're trying to do a job and somebody goes roundabout through the backyard and out the back, keep going around just to mm. deliver something they could have done in 30 seconds, it's like you've not only wasted my time, your energy and everything else in between, you're beating around the bush. And the same with issues like this. I think, yes, you've got to be cautious. Yes, you've got to be careful. But I think tackling it to a degree of, of being head on is a better approach than beating around the bush and sugarcoating it because it, it's the confronting side of stuff. And until you can, you've felt the disaster of somebody being their lives being taken or taken them by themselves because they didn't have help because they didn't have guidance because they felt alone because they didn't have anybody to talk to 
Um, you know, I've seen it with friends. I've seen it with my brother. I've seen it with myself and it, and my sister, it's destroying to see. And people would rather not deal with it. Like you said, than then have it confronted in their face with the academic world. It is all about being politically correct and all that shit that, that doesn't resonate with me at all. I'm straight to the jugular kind of guy get it done, help out where I can. If I can see a problem, then we'll try and find a solution. Not, oh, you'll be okay, and then dust it under the carpet. Mm, mm. And certainly they're, they're two extremes. Uh, of course. Where, you know, we take the ostrich approach of sticking the head in the sand. But, mm. uh, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm unconvinced about the need to, I, I wouldn't say sugarcoating it for me personally. I just find perhaps we're a little too cautious about Agreed. some of these issues, and, and it doesn't have to just be suicide. Shit, it could be business, you know? It's like someone's, someone's pissing their money up the wall, but we say to them, oh, you really should be looking at your personal budget and, and uh, yeah. having a look at your savings level instead of just saying, mate, you're pissing your money up the wall. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm, um, I only work with people like uh, another thing that I learn about business is people that I work with, it's more about the culture and the understanding rather than the skill. The skill can be taught. And everybody that I work with straight up, I say, look, I'm a very straight to the point kind of guy mm. and I want you to be the same. I don't want you to get offended if I say that shit and I don't want you to feel offended or think you're offending me by saying the same. I would rather it go, okay, this is the issue, then we deal with it and then we move forward together. And I agree with the, the industry that's frowned upon to say this, but I think that sometimes – it really needs to be dealt with rather than sugarcoating it. It's just we're wasting time, we're wasting money, we're wasting energy, effort. People's lives are, are being taken in the example we said before. So, yes, I understand why people are cautious, but it's one of those things for me where it's really we should just be tackling it. Mm. So you, you've talked about doing your bit and helping out. Uh, are there any things that you're specifically working on at the moment, Adam? Yeah, well, basically we're traveling tradies. Like ultimately I'm, I'm looking to create tradies without borders. So it's more much like doctors and engineers without borders, but we'll provide skilled labor across the globe and do things to support like the UN Global Goals, help educate societies in need, influence innovation and infrastructure, and do things like creating sustainable cities and communities all around the world. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's entitled to, to these things. So if I can help with my company and sending tradies over to do a little bit of good. Like we, especially our generation likes to, to give back. We're in that mentality where we like to help other people and do things like that. And if I can do that around the world and really build up an organization to do that, then, then that's my ultimate aim. Sounds awesome, mate. So who are your, well, I was going to say who are your customers, but you know, if someone's listening to this, and I, I have a pretty strong feeling, Adam, that there'd be a few <laughs> tradies listening to this going, what, free food, free accommodation, and all I've got to do is fix some shit? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Handyman stuff a couple of hours a day to have an epic cultural experience. So who are your customers, mate? So typically we're aiming for 25 to 35, male or female, doesn't matter, tradies, laborers, etc. I, the reason why we're targeting 25 to 35 is because around that age, guys and girls tend to start to question everything. Guys, you've been in the industry for maybe 10 years. You're tired. You're burnt out. 
you want to change, you need time for yourself. The, the younger guys and girls, we're not discriminating. If you want to come on board, sure, that's cool. But we don't work with everybody. We've got a certain type of people that we work with. And if you're after certain things that is more suited to Kentucky, I'll send you to them. We are an exchange company to, one, provide opportunities and perspective for tradies, and two, provide skilled labor to people around the world. Um, it, it's about the cultural immersion. It's about perspective. It's about really living and having an epic life rather than trying to fill the void with drugs and alcohol that most tradies do for the first 10 years of, of being in the trade. You've got money to spend. You're tired from the jobs every weekend, Thursday to Monday, myself included. You go out trying to fill the void. And then 10 years later, you look back or you go to the accountant every year and you go, wow, I spent how much? It's <laughs> <laughs> scary, isn't it? So, <laughs> it is scary. So it's like we work with any tradies and all that. But the, the model that we're trying to build is at the moment, we're restricting to, to trades men and women. Um, as well as laborers, I'd love to start sending groups of, you know, three tradies and one laborer to one location because a lot of people don't want to travel on their own. But if you do want to travel on your own, we also we also accommodate for that. Um, but all, all tradies types and eventually we're going to expand out. We're focusing on tradies first, but we want to have, you know, traveling cleaners and traveling chefs and traveling whatever. Um, it, it's going to forever evolve. Well, you've just answered uh, part of my next question, at least, and that was, <laughs> mate, where to from here? Like, uh, what's the future look like for you? Yeah, onwards and upwards. We're, so we're slowly building our databases. It, it takes a lot uh, to get the right traction, especially in the trading industry. As you know, there's a lot of skeptics out there, you know? They're like, what's this? What's that? And it's like, guys, just give it a crack. Create a profile. It's free and have a look. We're aiming for 10,000 hotel and hostel owners on our database in the next 24 months and a minimum of 5,000 tradies. Um, and we're going to continually grow from there. So we're looking to expand the platforms. Eventually, we want to go into uh, the US and the UK as well. Um, but starting here in Australia and the home base with our guys first and giving you guys the, like, the, the best opportunities to be able to travel. Everybody around the world loves Aussies. Everybody loves helping each other. Everybody around the world that doesn't have a lot, we're lucky in a country like we have, but countries overseas where it, it's a trade, back, back to basic human needs. You have rice, I have a goat. Let's exchange some skills for food and accommodation. And, and something beautiful happens when you do that is all the barriers of like um, – you know, fear and, and doubt and danger are all taken away because you're scratching their back and they're scratching yours. It's an exchange of skills. It's an exchange of services. And, you know, we want to be international. We want to be all over the world. We've already got a strong database of about 40 countries we're dealing with. So we're, we're building more and more and more from there. So what's going to be the secret or the key to this happening for you, Adam? In regards to what, worry? Well, uh, like that's a pretty lofty vision, mate, and it's awesome. I, and I, yeah. I definitely am not uh, pissing on your parade at all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> to use some straight talking language. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just curious uh, if there's going to be a central. Yeah, you know, we talked about rules for life before. I think it's bigger than that. Um, yeah. What you think will be the foundation of you? Uh, achieving that and actually getting it done? 
yeah, it's just the traction, the word of mouth, the experiences, the case studies, the testimonials, the videos, the documentation. And I'm glad that you brought that up because we're actually for our hard launch next year for the site. We're running a competition and the competition is we're going to be sending four guys to a month long uh location so a month-long project sorry in an exotic location and we're putting up about twenty to thirty thousand dollars to send four guys over there which will entail uh exchanging their skills a few hours a day for food accommodation tours the works for a full cultural experience and it's basically just we're going to document the whole thing we're going to show tradies what it's really about we're going to drone footage uh videos pictures, case studies, testimonials, and really sh- like prove and show that our method works so that tradies can see it and give it a crack. If you never, never go, you never, never know. So it's <laughs> one of those things if we can really start to get those the, the first groups over there, and I have no doubt in my mind that the word of mouth and the progression and the spread will almost happen organically. Of course, we're going to have to do it, and it's going to be slow and steady. But I'm not in a rush, Warwick. I, I, I've got a vision, and I've got a goal, and if it takes me five years, it takes me five years. It takes me ten, it'll take me ten. Mm. Nice, mate. Uh, so... Finding out more about you and traveling tradies, mate. I have I have another question to hit you with before we shut this thing down. But uh, no worries. Where do people go to find out more about you and what you're up to, mate? Yeah, no worries. Head to uh, www.travelingtradies.com with two L's in traveling. Um, and there's a temporary registration page here at the moment where tradies and hosts can register. In the coming week or so, the full. Uh, test of the website the alpha test of the website is going to be up and running for creation of profiles so we're actually looking for 150 tradies that will be entitled to a lifetime free membership to help us design the the next stages of the platform according to what tradies want to make it real user-friendly real simple and a one-stop shop for tradies and travel um and you know you can check out our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the traveling tradies or our instagram traveling.tradies again with double L. Nice, mate. Now, my my other question, as I sit here looking at a picture of a beautiful lake somewhere with some uh, wooden canoes sitting <laughs> on the side of it, mate, on your website. Uh, it looks yeah. very serene, mate. Um, <laughs> my question is, mate, if you won $20 million, what would you do with yourself? Ooh, good question. Honestly, I'd probably... I would. I'd definitely still keep traveling tradies going. I'd use that money to build and implement proper systems, processes, that kind of thing, um, give the exposure and the awareness. I'd also help out my family and then start to do things towards my bigger vision of of gathering other tradies and hosts, creating tradies without borders. Um, you know, I love doing that kind of stuff and giving back, um, but I don't do what I do for the money. So if they had the money available, I would just use it to build build the business to a level where I want it to be on an international scale. Nice, mate. Now, I'm going to explain. You're, you're the first person uh, on the show that I've asked that question to. Yeah. And uh, I, I did flag this uh, in our, our little pre-email chat. But do you know what? I've asked that question of so many people over the years, and it does exactly what just happened to you. They go, huh. Oh, uh you know what? No one really dreams like that anymore. Yeah. No one sort of sits back and goes, well, if I had all the money that I needed, what the bloody hell would I do with myself? 
And I find it's a great way to point to our values. And obviously for you, not surprisingly, having, having chatted to you uh, on the show today, you, you've come out with that blinder, mate. You've answered perfectly. <laughs> uh, I would still do traveling tradies. But, um, you know, it's very clear from chatting to you that that's where your heart lies. That's where your passion lies. So I think sadly we have so many of us that are busting our asses in, in jobs or careers or industries or geographical locations that are just so not aligned with the answer to mm. that question. Yeah, exactly right. And if you had have asked me that question three, five years ago, I would have said sip margaritas on a beach somewhere. But when you realize that's not a, not even a realistic, it's like I did that for three years and it got boring. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It got super boring and there was no fulfillment. There was no excitement. There was no adventure. And this is like when tradies work 80 hour days doing something they hate there's no fulfillment, there's no excitement, there's no adventure, there's no mission, there's no goal, there's no direction. And it's like I, I love doing what I do with Travelling Tradies because it's it's something that I've created. It's a direction that I want to go in. It's been a conscious decision and a conscious choice to follow. So why would I do anything different? Love it, mate. I love it. Well, uh, there you go, listeners. Uh TravelingTradies.com and traveling, in case you didn't know, is spelt with a double L. TravelingTradies.com. <laughs> Not American, Warwick. Adam's, Adam's fixing our grammar one website at a time. But uh, TravelingTradies.com, go check it out. You'll see, uh, you'll see a photo of this gorgeous man on there along with some information on uh, how to get involved. Um, or you can find him on Facebook and Instagram, as he said. Adam, awesome having you on the show, mate. Thanks so much for your time today. You too, Warwick. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No, absolute pleasure, mate. I'm off to go and get a trade so I can travel for free. <laughs> <laughs> Come aboard, bro. I'll Come see on. you when I've done my apprenticeship, mate. No worries. See you soon. <laughs> so there you go. My chat with Adam Velastro from Travelling Tradies. Top bloke. Love the work that he's doing. Uh, I love his passion and... Uh, and I love the fact that he's followed his gut and gone and done something and got after it in an area that's, uh, well, not totally untested, but certainly has its risks. And uh, great to see him kicking some goals. And pretty sure you're going to hear some more from this motivated young fella. Uh, find out more about him. Go to all the W's, travelingtradies.com. Com, that's T-R-A-V-E-L-L-I-N-G, tradies with an S, dot com. Uh, find out more about his competition, stalk him on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. I don't know if he's actually on all those, but uh, go find him on social media and, um, and give him a wave. And if you're interested in uh, getting involved, why not make 2018 the year that you do something like that? What's actually stopping you? Anyway, well, you ponder that one or go and buy a lotto ticket. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Hope you have a great week ahead. Got some cool episodes coming up and um, maybe a bit of a step change for the new year for me. Be taking some downtime over Chrissy and uh, pondering the year that was and uh, the year that will be. So might be an idea for you to do the same. Anyway, that's it from me for now. Till next episode. Hooroo. You've been listening to The Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Want to get off the tools into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.